2022 ACB Virtual DC Leadership Meetings will be held Saturday, March 12th through Tuesday, March 15th. Registration is $20 for ACB members and $30 for non-members. ACB members were sent a discount code via email. If you are an ACB member and did not receive the discount code, please call the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. Registration closes March 9. Visit acb.org for more information or register at https slash slash tinyurl.com slash 2022-DC-Leadership-Meetings. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Whole Foundation and Learning Center Presents, A Trip to the Eye Doctor. My name is Carrie Muth, and I'm one of the sight loss instructors at the Whole Foundation located in Sandy, Oregon. And I'm joined today by our facilitator, Marja Byers. Hello. And we also have our ACB host is our, our newest sight loss instructor, Desiree Christian. Would like to say hi. So our goal today is to learn some information, tips and tricks on how to get the most out of a visit to your eye doctor. And I just want a couple reminders. Please keep yourself muted unless you're you're speaking because the, the background noises can be very distracting, especially if we have people with hearing loss on as well. And there will be some times for questions and answers as we go along. I think Marge is planning on doing a little presentation, then a questions and answers session, and then repeat that kind of format. So, um, you know, before it's time to raise your hands, we'll have Desiree go through those. And I do want to let people know the whole Foundation and Learning Center was founded 60 years ago. So this is their 60th anniversary. They're a, a park outside of Portland, Oregon, in a community called Sandy. And they provide a lot of different services to people with sight loss. They have Zoom calls, which they do four to six or seven a week. They also do referrals where people who are experiencing sight loss can actually talk to somebody and get some peer support, you know, help signing up for talking books or, you know, hey, now I can't uh, operate my microwave. How am I going to do that? So a lot of us talk to people and have the kind of support and referral service to other things. The other thing is the park is beautiful. It's 23 acres and they do have some in-person retreats, including some moderate and high adventure retreats during the summer. So it's, it's a great facility. And towards the end of this session, I will provide some information on how you can get a hold of Whole Foundation to get more information. And we do have several more sessions later this week, and I'll talk to you about that at the end of the meeting. So right now I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Marja. Thank you very much, Carrie. I appreciate it. Yep. So um, the interesting thing is I, I presented on this last year and I was about two weeks away from having had gone to my eye doctor. And um, again, this year I had seen my regular eye doctor. Then I went yesterday up to Markham Hill KCI Institute to see the eye alignment specialist. And I, I basically have broken this up into um three pieces, what to do before you go to the eye doctor, what to do during your appointment or on the day of your appointment, and what do you do when you're finished with your appointment. And um, having talked to one of our newer guests earlier today, I said, okay, the first thing that I have to do is to um, admit that, well, I, I did up a sheet. It's called, how did I fail? Let me count the ways. Or in other words, do as I say, not as I do, because I blew it yesterday. But in my own self-defense, I thought I was just going to get a new glasses prescription. I thought, eh, that's pretty straightforward. My brother had helped me out. My previous appointment, it's a 165-mile round trip for him. And he did that two days in a row. Ten days later, I wasn't going to ask him to do it again. So I, I planned to go up on my, I did go up on my own. Um, 
And then in the middle of last week, I had a friend, he is unhomed, he is medically vulnerable. He called me about nine o'clock at night. Can I come sleep on your couch? Because it was 26 degrees that night as it was for the next four days. So I had unplanned company and was very, very distracted. And that's not a good thing for me. Um, So what I discovered as I'm going up to Portland, I'd forgotten to charge my iPhone. So by the time I got up to Amtrak, my phone was at 18%. And I knew I would have to call a couple of Ubers. And I also knew that I had to call um, Chariot's call center for a will call paratransit bus to go home. I was in trouble. Fortunately, what I found out is that the Amtrak snack bar actually has phone chargers. So that was the $20 cost that I was not anticipating spending. But thank goodness, because I would have been in a lot of trouble without that phone. Um, The other thing that I did, clearly, I took my Bluetooth earbuds out of my purse and I didn't return them. So after going through and unloading everything in my purse, looking for my earbuds that I was convinced were there or else they squirted out of my purse, I couldn't listen to my audio book because I had no headphones. Wished I would have checked the night before because I really, a lot of my day yesterday was waiting. Um, Well, paratransit pickup was at 6 o'clock a.m. And I got home about 4.15 p.m. So it was a very long day. I also did something that I have taken to doing, and I did it at my last appointment earlier in the month, and that is to take extra medication just in case something happens and I don't go back home. I also put a toothbrush and toothpaste into my purse um, and take extra food for my dog just in case. I've had a couple of appointments where I've gone up, found out that I had to stay and have emergency eye surgery the next day. So I, I've decided it's better if I'm a little bit more prepared. And it was starting to look like I might be up overnight. And I thought, oh, doggone it, I didn't. I blew that one. And then I realized that I was taking a train that is notoriously late, the Coast Starlight. It goes up and down the entire West Coast notoriously late. And then I realized I was cutting into my dog's dinner time and I didn't take food for him for dinner. Fortunately, we got home 15 minutes after his regular dinner time. So that worked out well for him because he kept looking at his watch. I don't know who gives these dogs watches and calendars, but they clearly have them. Um, I also realized that I had no snack bars. I usually have granola bars in my purse. So um, I didn't eat yesterday. So I've definitely, I've had failure. (laughs) Yesterday was a major failure, I have to admit. But, and I did, I had done some planning. Um, I was seen at the children's, Elks Children's Eye Clinic up at Casey Markham Hill. And I did go onto the website and I realized that they have moved into the new building. They built the big old macular degeneration clinic in there. So I was a little concerned. I've developed double vision. I'm having a lot of trouble with balance and mobility. And I thought, that's fine. I know how to go into that Markham Hill building. There is a desk out front, and I can ask the person who's manned that desk, how do I get to the Elks Children's Clinic? Except there is nobody there. So as I was waiting, because I had time to kill, I was just kind of watching to see what I could figure out. And I saw several adults with kids going into a door. Okay, I figured out where that doorway is. That's got to be the children's clinic over there. I think I can find the door. Then I can go to the concierge desk and ask for help. Guess what? The concierge desk was not manned. There was nobody there. So I just thought, oh my gosh. Okay, I'll walk around for a little bit. But we managed to find the elevator and I managed to find the clinic on my own, which... um, At least I got that much done, and I was proud of myself for problem-solving. And that was one advantage of being there very, very early, I have to admit. So when I am properly planning a trip to the eye doctor, um, I always make up a, a list of questions. And one of the things I'm very apt to do is to start an ongoing list. I have a just a really small little notebook in my purse so I can write down things as they come to mind. That way, if particularly if I'm talking to a family member and I say, oh, I really should ask my eye doctor about blah, blah, blah. So I have a running 
list of questions that that I might have. And some of my doctors just flat out say, get out your list because they know that I'm a list maker. Um, so it's it's nice to have a list that you have had ongoing for, well, I see my doctor every six months. Um, but if you're going yearly, you may forget in nine months what that question was that you had maybe shortly after your appointment. Another one of the um, things that you really have to plan for is transportation. And I got to tell you, this, this was a really hard one for me because I, as I said, I decided not to bug my brother. And um, Amtrak has, has just about halved their schedule. Um, in the Willamette Valley between Portland and Eugene because of COVID. So I had very few times that I could get in either direction. So that necessitated taking a 640 train for an 11 o'clock appointment. And when I called for paratransit set up in the morning, do I Uber or Lyft? Do I take a cab? Do I use paratransit? And I thought it's going to be an expensive day. I'll use paratransit. And they scheduled my pickup time between 5.30 a.m. and 6 a.m. And the station doesn't open until 6. And so I ended up calling back and changing my time because I was very concerned that there would be security issues. There's not security there until 6. So I changed my paratransit window. And fortunately, I got somebody who's more experienced. She said, we can set it at 6 o'clock. You'll be there by 6.10. And I was there at 6.11. She was correct. So it got me there when I needed to. And then even trying to figure out how to get home because I had to do a will call knowing that there was a good chance the train was not going to be on time. And lo and behold, I got to Amtrak, went up to the counter and asked if the Starlight Coast Starlight was on time. They said, it's here and boarding. You can just go to gate number five. And a red cap will help you help you get out to your to your train. So that was very nice. I have to admit. Um, one of the big questions: Do I want and or need an advocate? And how will COVID affect this? Now, when I went to my first exam, which was a comprehensive exam, and my brother was with me, he said. So have they given you the COVID speech? I suspect that it's noted on my electronic chart when they bring up my information to make the appointment. Nothing was said about COVID restrictions. And he said, well, that's interesting because I was there fairly recently. And they basically said, you can't have anyone with you. So right now, if you want to have an advocate with you, I would advise to call and see what they're what their stance is currently on coming into the clinic. It was not questioned when my brother was with me. Um, well, and when I walked in with the seeing eye dog, I, I don't think it was really questioned. And um, because we understand so much more about COVID now than we did when it first started, a lot of places are relaxing. If you are um, someone who has a disability, a lot of clinics are getting better about allowing you to have a support person with you. And shortly after we sat down, my brother got out his notepad and started taking notes. What is my current acuity? What are my eye pressures? Though the ophthalmic tech was not, I, I've had ophthalmic techs that will just automatically say, well, today your acuity with your classes is 2060, 2030, whatever. Um, and I've had eye pressure problems, so that was that result was very pertinent to me. And my brother said, well, what were her eye pressures? And one of them was high and one of them was low. So um, that's important for me to know for care going forward. Um, one eye was up at 21, the other eye was down to six, and I've had surgery on that, that low pressure eye four times already. So it's that's a heads up. I need to watch it. Um, if you do not have someone like a wonderful brother who can take notes for you, you may want to consider recording your, your visit. Um, most phones have recording apps. Um, I've got a free app on my phone that records very, very well. There's a lot of handheld devices. Do ask your, your eye care physician for their permission to be able to record their conversation. 
most doctors are not going to object because it gives you an opportunity to go back and listen to what part of the conversation was that you might be fogging on. Um, and one of the other things, and E.G., thank you, you mentioned this last year when we were, were having this discussion, you can ask for an after-visit summary. Um, the eye alignment specialist that I saw yesterday just automatically prints out an after-visit summary. Her visits are very long. It was a two-hour appointment. So we go over a lot of conversation, and um, and I appreciate it when they give me a printout. So I've got something, even if I can't see it, um, I've... I've got apps that will help me, or I can have somebody read it to me. Um, the day before the appointment, check and finalize your list of questions. Be sure to check your ongoing list if you have one. And another thing that I really want to say, because it's a situation that I hit, if you have had, because most of us clearly are here because we have sight loss issues, um, eye health issues. I found that I had had a very sudden loss of my central vision. So I called Casey and talked to the appointment person and said, I need to see my doctor. I've had a sudden change in my vision. And she said, well, it says here that your doctor doesn't want to see you to the end of March. It's beginning of February. I said, I understand that, but I'm a complicated patient. I have Marfan syndrome. I have low eye pressure. I know that I've had macular folds. And I have no central vision in my right eye. I had to keep arguing with her before she would finally get me in with a definite, it wasn't the same um, comprehensive doctor that I'd seen before, but I thought it was most important that I be seen. And at that visit, what they found was that was one of my emergency eye surgeries. I had no eye pressure. I had a frank leak, which meant my eyeball was just constantly leaking fluid and required emergency surgery. So I did comment to the comprehensive doctor who happens to, at that point, she was head of the comprehensive clinic. I think you need to have a conversation with staff because I know people in the support groups that I have facilitated, they're not going to argue with the scheduler. They're just going to say, well, okay, I guess I'll wait until March. And if I'd done that, I very well could have ended up with an eye that had had to be removed because there's nothing holding it together. Um, and, and I was really concerned. So clearly she has conveyed that to staff. I don't know if they've changed how their screens look, but now when I call and I, I had one call, something's going on. I've had a sudden change in my sight. And he said, wow, well, Dr. Davis is three weeks out at least. Let me see. Let me do a little checking. Oh, Dr. Dr. Davis would be happy to see you on Tuesday. Can you come up? They put a note onto my electronic chart that if this patient calls and says there's something going on, you need to get them in as soon as possible. So if you do have tricky eye conditions, don't let them talk you out of making that appointment. You really got to advocate for yourself and say, I really need to be seen. I have concerns. When I call this time to talk to Dr. Davis, they got me in within three days. And what her comment to me was, I've never heard this term before. You are a low threshold patient. And by that, she meant if you have anything going on with your, with your site that you question, you need to come in as soon as you possibly can. Um, because I, the, the potential for me detaching another retina is very great. So if you think something's up or you just don't feel something is quite right, be persistent and don't let them talk you out of it. Now that's most of my preparing for the appointment day. Let's, um, let's have questions or comments if anybody would like to chime in. Feel free. I'm raising my hand. This is Desiree. Okay, Desiree. <laughs> To, to add on to what Marja is saying is at Casey Eye Institute does this and there might be other places that do this. They might have an emergency on-call number that you can call because I've heard of people um, having eye emergencies and then they'll go to like an emergency room and the emergency room doesn't know what to do with special eye stuff and it takes them a really long time or they'll 
you know, get misdiagnosed and have something catastrophic happen. Whereas if there was an emergency number, they could have called for their eye doctor. It would have gotten fixed, sorted, and they wouldn't have had, you know, sight loss happen because the ER didn't know what to do with them. Desiree, I'm so glad you said that because my brother had a situation on a weekend and he wasn't sure what to do. So he ended up going to an ER. And when he did talk to somebody at Casey, they said, don't ever go to the ER for eye issues. All you have to do is call the clinic and they do have after hours emergency call. There's always somebody on call. So it's, and you're better off, you're right. You're better, much better off talking to somebody who's an eye care specialist and has a little bit better idea of what could possibly be going on. And a lot of times they're willing to see you in the clinic um, on the weekends. I When I detached a retina, it was a Friday afternoon and that meant a Saturday morning doctor's office appointment, um, though the clinic wasn't open. Um, and for other clinics, I know all the clinics that I've been with, if you call the office number after hours, um, you'll either get answering service or it will give you a number to contact. If you are suspicious that you're having an eye emergency, you can call. And that way you can talk to an eye care specialist who can tell you, I think you really need to be seen, <clears throat> come into the office. And that's what they told my brother. You most likely would go into the office because the other problem with the emergency room is sick people go there. And if you're basically not really sick, ER is about the last place in the world you really want to go and hang out for a few hours, which is usually what's going to happen. Any other comments or questions? Even comments on life experience, what has worked, what hasn't worked. And actually, if we have anybody on the call who has macular degeneration, the one thing I don't know about is eye injections because I've never had eye injections and I don't know what those appointments look like. So, so Marja, this is Carrie. Yes. And, you know, one of the things I, I would like to say is, you know, really, you know, you mentioning finding out from your clinic if that support person is allowed in or not. You know, that is really important because, you know, I live in a rural community, so it's still very open. But I know some more of the bigger cities, you know, it's a lot more closed to having those support people uh, coming in. And the other trick I know some people have been having is just arranging their uh, special transportation because they're limiting how many people and that kind of stuff. So, you know, really trying to get those, you know, if you're scheduled out of ways, trying to make sure you make some of those arrangements earlier in the process than maybe normal. Because normally I can arrange rides two days in advance, but you know, sometimes it's much better if I'm arranging it two weeks in advance. So making sure that you do those types of things as early as possible works better. Well, and honestly, because I had made my paratransit departure early enough because it was well a, a little over a week away, it gave me enough time to think through and just go, I don't really want that, that bus is going to get here at 6, 5.30 in the morning. And I'm going to get to Amtrak in like seven minutes and I don't want to be out there. So um, yeah. it gives enough time to really think through and then do something about it and, and change those plans, which was really helpful. And honestly, it took me most of the morning to schedule with Amtrak um, because I just haven't been taking Amtrak and I did not realize how much um, they've had to modify because they just don't have the ridership that they did pre-COVID. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely important to keep in mind. And if there's no other questions or comments, I'll go on to appointment day, which I didn't do very good this time. I'm usually much better at it. Um, this is this is just Reagan. Two things. Yeah. One, I think I would like to remind people how to raise, lower their hand, mute, unmute, all the things. And then the other thing that I have done when I can't find somebody sitting at one of those desks there, I'll go, you know, particularly if you're in a big space, whether it's Casey Eye Institute or some other, you know, eye doctor is I find those receptionists and secretary type people are very happy to help you find where you need to go if you can't find somebody sitting at one of the concierge desks or help desks. So 
That's what I like to do. Um, and it was interesting because they they opened that World Center. I think it's been within the last year. Mm-hmm. And what I find is the Markham Hill, the original building, was pretty deserted. There's no restaurant facility there now. There's no optical department. I, I couldn't find anybody. But other wow. visitors. I mean, it was it it was kind of creepy. I did finally on when I came back. There was finally a guy at the at the desk. Now there was a guy, a valet parking guy out front, and I probably could have gone and asked him, but I'd already kind of figured out where I needed to go. But it it was it weird. Sounds, it sounds like Mark, the Markham Hill building on a Saturday. It's eerily quiet on Saturdays yeah. when you go in for an emergency. Yeah, and I been. It was a lot like an emergency, like a Saturday at Markham. Yeah, that's that's exactly how it felt. Now there were a lot more people in the Wold Center because the Macular Degeneration Clinic is there. The Elks hmm. Children's Clinic is there. Um, clinical trials are there and it's actually really close to Markham Hill. It was not as intimate. I, I felt intimidated by it, but, and honestly, that's one of the times I love to have a dog because I can say, Fritz, show me the door. And Way to took, be brave. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> you know what? It, it's nice when you have somebody with you and I consider a dog a person um, to, to kind of bolster you and you're, I'm, I'm willing to be more brave because People don't want to be mean to you if you have a really cute yellow lap. <laughs> it helps. I honestly think it helps. Anyway, but let me remind people how to mute, yeah. unmute all the things. Um, so just so you all know, if you don't, these are all toggles. So if you're on a PC to mute yourself, press Alt-A. If you want to unmute, again, it is Alt-A. If you raise your hand, it is Alt-Y. Uh, if you are on a Mac to mute, it's command shift A. If you need to raise your hand, it's option Y. If you are on an app for mute, look in the lower left-hand corner. If you need to raise the hand, then look under the more button, which is in the lower right-hand corner. If you are on a regular phone, and I know we do have one of those, then to mute is stop star six and to raise your hand is star nine and I will catch all hands that are raised and lower them. So if you've got a question or comment, which we do, uh, from EG. Yes, this is EG in Waco, Texas. But one thing I'd recommend, uh, Marja, in that situation that you were in, is if you have your phone, make sure you have either on speed dial or easy to get to the number for the clinic. I would stay put and I would call that number from inside the clinic or inside Casey and say, here is where I am. Here is where I need to go. I need some help. And I think that they would be, they would find someone that gets sent down and actually take you to the, the location. It's kind of what we train people in scouts to get off the trail, <laughs> stay in one place yeah. and someone will find you. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're right. I think that's excellent advice. And, um, when I was talking with Dr. Summers, I because I'm going to have to have a couple of MRIs as a follow-up, and um, I said, where because I'm going to do it at OHSU, I want their radiologist to read it because of the level of expertise. And I said, where is imaging? She said, well, it's somewhere in the main hospital, but I never go there. And I said, oh boy, I'm going to need a tour guide. She goes, well, we got a lot of those. So Clearly, if I stay put and call the clinic, I think they could have sent somebody to me to find me. I was still pretty proud of myself for finding it, I have to admit. And if I had had less time, I may have come to that conclusion. But I had some time to, to kind of adventure a little bit. And I thought, okay, now I'm going to learn a little bit more about how this place is set up. Um, but that is an excellent suggestion. And I do have the phone number into my into my phone because I did have the thought I might just need to call and say, I don't know how to get there and I need help. Um, So on the day of your appointment, if you're having a comprehensive eye exam, which as adults over 60, we should have at least an an annual eye exam. If not sooner, your doctor will tell you if they want to see you sooner than that. Um, You should expect to have your eyes dilated. 
which is going to take some time because once they get the drops in your eyes, you have to wait for them to dilate. So it's great to be able to have water with you, which I did not because water is heavy and it's hard for me to carry. So I had to buy water when I was up there. Uh, snacks, which I failed to do, gums or cough drops, reading material, and remember ear, earphones or earbuds, unlike me, if you're listening to talking books. Um, so you're not disturbing anybody. Um, that was kind of a, a combined, maybe a good thing or a bad thing. Talking books takes down your phone battery really fast, but I was trying to charge it <laughs> as I was waiting at different places. Um, a phone charger. I really wished I didn't go to a phone charger with me yesterday, but since I had to buy one, I now have one that is going to live in my purse. So I know that when I'm out, I do have a phone charger with me um, to charge up in case I need it. And sunglasses to protect your eyes. Even if it's cloudy, uh, you're still going to get a lot of glare. Your eyes are going to be dilated and more prone to sucking up UV light. So please protect your eyes. Most clinics have some kind of a disposable sunglass. Uh, Casey uses what's called Rolens. You don't have to have glasses. They, they just curl up around your eyes. And I like them. I use them all the time. My glasses are so thick that I cannot wear cocoon um, style sunglasses. They, they scratch my lenses. Um, but those fit completely around my eyes so I don't get light leaking up above through the sides or down below. So they keep my eyes nice and dark. So I just picked up two pairs of them. So I have spares um, when I get back. And I don't think that I really have to tell anybody that um, you might want to have a driver with you. <laughs> if you've been dilated, you might not be comfortable driving, but I, I seriously doubt many of us um, are, are continuing to drive. Well, that's not true because we have folks on here who are not legally blind at all. Um, Another one of the things that you might want to think about if you are going to a clinic that has an optical department, do you want to take the time, if you're wearing glasses, to take your glasses and then have them checked? Um, last year when I went in, my frames were kind of bent and I had a screw that was just about ready to fall out. So I was really glad I stopped and got them adjusted. Um, it's, it's if you've got a little extra time now, Casey has you, they only take like two people into their optical department at a time. So they'll have you either sign up or call um, to come into the clinic. So you have to kind of hang out outside. Um, last year, I found an article and I could not find it this year. I really like VisionAware. It's from the Amer American Foundation for the blind. And it's a publication that I have really enjoyed. I've gotten a lot of really good information from it. And last year I found an article called questions to ask your eye care specialist. Um, and I could not find it. Fortunately, Monica found the link for me. So I included it in the class notes in, in, in its entirety. Um, so it's not an attachment. It's in the body of, of the notes. So you can read it. And, um, and I, we've got time, so I think I'm going to talk about this a little bit. Um, first, make sure you have prepared for your eye exam. The vision where peer advisors have compiled a list of practical suggestions based on their own experiences to help you prepare with your eye with a visit to your eye care specialist. Take a friend or relative with you. With you, it's a good idea to have a friend or relative accompany you whenever you make a visit to the eye care specialist and any other healthcare provider. This person can be your memory jogger and remind you about questions you want to ask. Also, since the, your eyes will be dilated for the exam, you may need a driver um, and a pair of sunglasses to help you with glare and light sensitivity that can result in being dilated. May I interject one little thing? Yes. Being a super light sensitive person, I used to, well, I still have specialized sunglasses that are darker than the every everyday average, but I would get dilated and I used to not only wear my extra super dark sunglasses, but then I would grab a pair of um, their sunglasses, slip inside. And I learned later, yes, it 
technically felt better, but because my sunglasses are polar, polarized and their slip-on ones are polarized, it canceled it out and the polarization, which is very important to protect sensitive eyes, doesn't work. So be mindful if you are trying to do that, make sure that you don't have double polarization because it'll cancel out. Yes. So, Thank there you, you go. <laughs> I appreciate that. And and the other thing that I tend to do, particularly if it's a very sunny day, um, I have a hat that all the crown zips off so it makes it, it I can be a visor. And I usually wear it as well because it's it's low, it's got a very broad beam, and I left it somewhere. Somebody said, Where'd you lose it? Well, if I knew that, then it wouldn't be lost. Now would it? Hey, Marja, no, this no, is a <clears throat> Carrie, I'd like to mention, you know, you, you tease about the thing, you know, might need a driver. And I'll tell you, um, because I am very light sensitive, I usually end up with almost an instant migraine when I get my eyes dilated. So, you know, for some of us, instead of depending on public transportation, because then we have to navigate that, we need to navigate with our orientation and not get ourselves lost. Um it's, it's just a lot better for me to have somebody go with me or pick me up, you know, a friend or a family member, if, if that's available, if you have that, um, because it's just too difficult with the migraine trying to navigate myself. Well, and, and it's really important to keep in mind that when you have sight impairment, if you're fighting with something like a migraine, it is so distracting and it is so important for us to pay attention to every little thing that it, it mobility is more dangerous when, yes. when you're that distracted. And that's a really important thing to know. Yes. And many of us, I, I think it's really interesting. And I've had this discussion with several people recently that even people who are completely blind can still be very, very light sensitive, which is surprising to people, but it, it doesn't surprise me. Um, I light, as I often say, light is your best friend and light is your worst enemy. It's if you don't have enough, if you're a visual person, you can't really read well without it, but you get too much and it's, it's overpowering. Dude. Okay. Um, the author's note. A friend can also take notes about information the doctor gives you, which my brother's wonderful book about doing. In this way, you can concentrate on what's being said and ask additional questions that arise from these discussions. And I really like that idea. Um, I have a really good audio memory, so I want to be able to pay attention to what the doctor said because I can. I kind of play audio tapes in my head and hear what was being said. But if I'm trying to write at the same time, I can't do it. It kind of disrupts it. Your friend can also, friend or family, can also be an emotional support. If you're feeling stressed or nervous about your appointment or eye condition, often just the presence of a close friend or relative can help you feel more at ease and relieves the anxiety associated with occasional long waiting times before the doctor sees you. And the day that I went to Casey and they realized that I had no eye pressure, and that my eye was leaking. I had gone by myself. I was still with my husband at the time, but he was pitching a fit about something, so he wouldn't go with me, even though I couldn't see out of my right eye. So I went by myself. And once the doctor stained the front of my eye, saw that it was actively leaking, she literally bolted out of the exam room. I mean, grabbed the door, went charging out. I'll be right back. She was going to get somebody from glaucoma to come and look at my eye. And I'm sitting there by myself, and honestly, I kind of looked around, and I just went, well, that can't be good. It, I, it was really hard not to have somebody. I have never seen a doctor run out of an exam room like that before, and I, I just had to talk to the walls. That can't be good. You don't want to see a doctor bolt out of an exam room. Uh, that, was, that was really odd, and, and I ended up. I should have called my brother. I should have had him meet me. I did end up calling my brother, and he he had to come and rescue me and take me to his house up in Washington State overnight and um, then bring me back for surgery the next morning. Um, but I was so grateful. I thank, honestly, thank you, God, that my brother was close by and could, could come and bail me out 
And otherwise I would have had to get very creative and I was glad I didn't have to, but I could have done it if I, I thought through, what do I do if I have to? And I had thought through, where can I get a, a fairly inexpensive hotel close enough that I can just Uber back and forth, but that wouldn't have worked because they won't let you go home to a hotel. You have to go with somebody to take care of you. Um, they advise, be sure to take notes. Uh, when you make your appointment, ask if you can bring a recorder to help you remember information that the doctor shares with you. And they also know many phones have built-in recorders. Most of them do anymore. The way you'll be able to review conversation, that this way you'll be able to review conversations that took place during your appointment at a time when you feel more relaxed in the comfort of your own home. If your doctor does not want to be recorded, ask if he or she can write down your diagnosis, including what, if any, action for you to take. And once again, if it's a clinic that can give you an aftercare summary, you can ask and have that printed out and it will give you basically all the information that, that your eye care provider <clears throat> gathered during your conversation. They recommend ask questions. Here are some suggestions for questions you can ask during your eye examination. And it's, it's interesting because some people feel like ophthalmologists and ophthalmic techs, those people who check what your acuity is, check your eye pressure, kind of check you in and check you out. Um, they, some people feel like they're not getting adequate information, and that means that you just have to ask. It's like the ophthalmic tech who checked my pressures and didn't tell us what it was. And my brother said, would you please let us know what our pressures were so I can write them down. Um, can you go over the eye examination with me and tell me what tests to expect? What is the cause of my vision loss, if they happen to know it? Uh, what is my visual acuity? And if you don't know the word acuity, that is when they refer to your eyes are 2020. Um, legal blindness is 2200 or higher with in the best eye with the best correction. Uh, one of the things, and I've had this conversation with several, and Lisa, you know, because we just talked about this. When they're checking you, your acuity and they drop the pinholes, I finally ask an ophthalmic tech, why, why do you take that acuity and document it because that's not what I'm seeing with my glasses. He said, we document it because if they drop the pinholes when they're checking your site, what it indicates, if, if you can see a lot smaller, it indicates that changing your glasses could be significant. So it kind of gives them a ballpark idea. Is this correctable vision? Um, my right eye was seeing 2100. But when we did pinhole and some prism work, I was down to 2030. So I can greatly my, improve my acuity. But I didn't understand until I asked, why do you take that, that acuity for, from, through the pinhole? But now I understand why. Uh, makes me feel better about them documenting that. Um, do I have peripheral sight vision field loss? Is my condition stable or can I lose more sight? if they can tell you. The specialist I saw yesterday um, agrees with me that we don't know why I seem to be losing my field or how that's happening. She said, I don't like things that I can't figure out and explain. And I said, yeah, me neither, but there's nothing we can do to change that. Are there treatments for my eye condition? When should the treatment start and how long will it last? What are the benefits of this treatment and how successful will it be? And a lot of people with, with age-related macular degeneration don't necessarily understand that if you have wet macular degeneration and you're getting injections, the hope is that they are going to maintain the sight that you have that you won't lose. But it's not going to improve your sight. And a lot of people don't understand that. And I've seen people in macular degeneration clinics getting very upset because they don't understand how the injections work as long as they will work. Um, so definitely question if you, if you don't quite understand, ask questions. Um, what are the risks and possible side effects associated with this treatment? Are there 
food, drugs, activities I should avoid while undergoing this treatment. If the treatment involves taking medication, what should I do if I miss a dose or have a reaction? Are other treatments available? What kind of tests are involved? What do you expect to find out from these tests and when will I know the results? Do the tests carry any risks or side effects? Will more tests be necessary later? Will you send test results to my primary care physician? And yeah, they pretty much always do. How often will you schedule follow-up visits? Should I be monitored on a regular basis? Am I still safe to drive? And boy, that is one you really have to, that's a conversation to be had with your eye care specialist. I had a lady who asked me, what are the parameters for me to be able to still legally drive? And I said, it depends. You really need to talk to your eye care specialist because they have a better understanding of how your site works. And if you are, if you might be a good candidate for using bioptics for driving, um, but what I find ophthalmologists very reluctant to do, and that is to tell somebody you are legally blind and you need to stop driving. I am astounded at how many people I talk to very often that are, well, I'm blind in my right eye and I see 2,250 in my left eye. Did your doctor mention that you're legally blind? No, but he said, maybe I should think about not driving anymore. Frankly, as a blind pedestrian, that terrifies me. So do be aware that there are a lot of people, particularly with macular degeneration, who are continuing to drive because they don't want to give up going to church, going to the grocery store. Um, you know, those, those trips that they do, they, and I know the drill. I don't drive at night. I don't drive if it's rainy or if it's early in the morning, later in the evening. And I only go to places that I know is very, very common. But physicians just really, they don't want to tell people you're legally blind and you need to stop driving. Um, am I entitled to any special services or benefits? What medical and rehabilitation sources are available to help me? That's a really huge question. And I, most people don't even think to ask it. Will a low vision examination help? How does that differ from a comprehensive eye exam? And it's very different from a comprehensive eye exam. And if you've gone through a low vision um, evaluation, you know how different it is. Persevere with your questions. If you're not hearing what you need to hear or understanding what they're trying to tell you, ask the question again. Maybe restate the question in a, in a different way to see if it's maybe you're just miscommunicating. Tell the doctor or technician that you don't fully understand. Ask if the doctor has literature that you can take home to read and share with your family. Remember that the more you know about your vision or sight, as a board member would love to say, the better able you are to seek appropriate solutions, support, and benefits. Then the last section, second to the last, um, how can you protect your eyes? And Desiree, you made a really good point about don't double polarize because then you've, you've negated what you're trying to do. Um, and with really, really dark glasses on, it encourages your pupils to stay dilated and it, they can take a pretty big UV hit. Talk with your doctor about protecting your eyes from ultraviolet and blue light. When you go outside, wear absorptive sunglasses, so things that will absorb UV sunlight, and a wide brim hat to reduce UV exposure. Ask if there are special sunglasses or tints um, that you should try with your particular type of eye condition. And at least from my personal experience and talking with others, the most productive tint work that I did was up at the Oregon Commission for the Blind Office. We went outside. It was kind of a, a glary, low, you know, that kind of that cloud layer that just about kills you. And we just went through a bunch of different glasses, putting them on, taking them off, putting them on, taking them off until I came across the amber and I put them on. And I went, oh, boy, this is it. I can feel the muscles in the backs of my eyes 
starting to relax. Um, so it's it's kind of a trial and error, I think, personally. You have to just try on a bunch of different tips and see what works for you. If you're thinking of trying new diet or changing vitamins, check with your doctor first. Um, I've had doctors, eye doctors recommend fish oil, but I'm also on blood thinners. And one thing I learned about fish oil is it thins your blood out remarkably fast. It scared the heck out of me. So I stopped doing fish oil because I, I was afraid if I fell or I got hit, I would bleed to death before they could do anything. So definitely, if you're making and thinking about making changes, talk to your doctor first. Um, and of course, don't take up smoking. And if you do smoke, try to stop because it does a lot of blood uh, vessel damage to the eyes and really can, can bring on and worsen macular degeneration much quicker. Um, but it's also associated with damage because of cataracts and diabetic retinopathy. And if you're doing any work, working with tools, machinery, mowing lawns, doing sports, wear goggles to protect your eyes. God only gives you one pair and you need to, you need to safeguard them. Um, should I get a second opinion? And, and this is kind of an interesting question. The eyes and general health conditions of each individual are different and unique. And there are times when an eye doctor cannot improve a person's sight. If you're not satisfied with your eye doctor's responses to your concerns or questions, consider visiting another doctor and getting a second opinion about your eye condition. Sometimes a new doctor can provide a different perspective or explanation about a different situation um, or course of treatment. And one eye doctor may be fabulous for one person, and that same eye doctor may not be a good match with somebody else. So I think it's really important to feel like you can comfortably talk to your eye doctor. Um, so you feel comfortable with being open and honest and feel like they are. To me, that's important to me. I want to also hear back that um, they trust me. They'll listen to what I have to say. Um, I do have a friend with retinitis pigmentosa and she was considering getting, she, it was a second opinion, but she was kind of thinking she th needed a third opinion. And I said, Oh, wait a minute. Did they do genetic testing? And she said, yes. And I showed markers and I said, then you have RP. I, if you went to OHSU, they did your genetics and they, it, that it indicates you have the markers for retinitis pigmentosa. I don't think you really need to go to another doctor. That, that's pretty definitive right there. Um, what was the other thing that I was thinking about? Marjorie, we do only have about three minutes left before I have to go through announcements. Okay. Questions, comments? This is Desiree, and then I will call on EG. So I see several different specialists at KCI Institute. And if you're seen at Devers or if there's another clinic you're with um, where it's got multiple specialists under one roof. Um, what you might do is when you go see one, have them send notes to another. So for instance, I go see genetics a lot, um, but I also have glaucoma. So what I have genetics do when I see them is when we take my pressures and I make them do the chin rest one, not the stupid hand pencil thing, because no. the chin one's more accurate. Yeah. I have them in the appointment, send my pressures, what they were and what they took it with over to um, my um, glaucoma doctor. So I don't have to go in and see her as much. Not that I don't love her because Dr. Edmonds is freaking amazing, but just putting it out there that if that is a thing for some of you out there, you might want to see if you can do that. All right, EG. Yeah, I was just going to suggest one other thing you might want to add to your trip to the eye doctor list is if they are aware of any um, research studies that you may participate in, because there are oh, quite a few of them out there, particularly good. through OHSU. Um, but I know there's some really good things going on right now with RP and uh, Chris and uh, um, what do you call it? Not crystal, but uh, uh, cr CRISPR, where they're having some great success that they think in years ahead, there'll be some really great benefits. But 
Um, that's that's another thing to ask the doctor. Are there any any are you aware of any um, studies that um, are looking for participants? Because it could give you more information for your eye condition. Yes. Well, and and because my family also has actually it's it's fairly it's a kiss and cousin cousin to the genetic condition that Desiree has. Um, and what we often tell the doctors is, particularly when it comes to residents, we want you to learn about our eyes so you can help our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids. You know, if, it, if it's genetic, we want to help you learn as much as you can to help our coming, our upcoming family members, because we know that they're going to need support. Yeah, that's that's a great addition. So uh, Peter, any Restoria's, other- Restoria's iPad. Hi, I'm new to this session, but I'm Hi. really enjoying it. And uh, there are a lot of terms I'm not familiar with. Uh, like uh, the, gen- I'm, I know what genetics is, but the testing and everything. And can you give me the link for those questions, please? Um. The- we will send the notes out in an entirety as to what we've gone over. Uh, uh, in just a minute, I'll give uh, some contact info so you could call the oh, foundation office. That's okay. That's how you get the notes. If you haven't, if you're not already on the whole foundation list, um, or a story, if you, in a minute, I'll give you information and you can get a hold of them. Okay. And um, this is being streamed, and I want to respect everybody's time, so I need to go ahead and go through the announcements. So Whole Foundation has several more workshops this week, and not all are listed on the ACB community calls. So like I just mentioned to Restore, I'll give contact information in just a minute so you can get their email list as well. So all these times I'm going to mention are Pacific time. So all you East Coasters get to do math this time, not us. <laughs> so tonight at 7 p.m., we have a new session called the Chat Cafe. And Teresa, Christian, and I are going to co-facilitate that. And this is similar to what used to be called the Together Calls. So it's co-sponsored by Whole Foundation and Learning Center and ACB of Oregon. So those who have been asking about the Together Calls, let your friends know tonight at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And that is on the ACB list. And we're going to be doing those every other week, at least for a few, and see how those go. Um, We had one listed on our thing for tomorrow, which has been canceled. So Thursday, we have three sessions at 10 a.m. Pacific. We have Using Movement to Change Your Stress Level. And Deb Marinos had done this in December, and she's back um, to give another session. So that'll be pretty exciting. Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, we're going to have a group chat on sight and hearing loss. So people having that dual loss. And that's a great way to gain some peer support and get resources. At 6.30 on Thursday, 6.30 p.m., E.G. Whiteswift, who's been on this call, he's one of the board members, he's the treasurer. He's going to have a call called Chat with a Board Member. So he's going to provide more information on the whole foundation and how to get involved. And so you guys can provide more feedback to us. So as mentioned, we do send out post-session notes. And if you're not on our email list, this is how you're going to get on there. And also they do a monthly newsletter that kind of has tips in it and all kinds of great information. You can reach out to us, our office at 503-668-6195. Again, 503-668-6195. You could email us at oralhole at gmail.com. That is O-R-A-L-H-U-L-L at gmail.com. Oralhole happens to be the, the wonderful person who donated the property at the park to the blind community. You can also find us on the web at www.wholeparkfortheblind.org. That's H-U-L-L Park for the Blind. And on the 20th, I think it is. Oh, yep. On Wednesday, 
2.23 at 10 a.m. Pacific time, E.G. is actually going to give down the history of Warhol. Who was she? He, he does a lot of ancestry stuff, so it'll be really great information on how one person can make such a huge difference in so many people's lives. We often end these sessions with jokes. So Mr. Potato's head, Mr. Potato Head's eyes pop out and tumble across the floor to Mrs. Potato Head. Mrs. Potato Head sighs and says, don't you roll your eyes at me. <laughs> okay. Then we also do some words of wisdom. So our words of wisdom today is the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And that was said by Helen Keller. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. And remember all these tips and tricks the next time you have a trip to the eye doctor.